Welcome to the Mission Driven Podcast, the show designed to empower, educate, and encourage you to stay focused and committed to your mission. I'm your host, AC Cristales. Let's get ready to roll. Welcome back to the Mission Driven Podcast with AC Cristales. It feels so good to be back in the studio producing and recording podcasts to empower and inspire you on your professional and personal journey. Throughout the next few weeks, okay, I got to let you know that I'm going to be making a couple of tweaks, just small tweaks to the podcast, simply with regard to the cover picture that appears on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever else you listen to this podcast on. So I'm changing the cover. Um, just wanted to update it. Didn't really like the picture that was on there. So again, just a small tweak. And also, I'm shortening the title of the podcast to simply Mission Driven with AC Cristales. Okay, so there aren't that many big changes, but changes nonetheless that I wanted to let you know all about. But enough about that. I'm back, baby. And for my listeners from 2019, you're back to listening to this podcast. So thank you so much for joining me again on this journey but perhaps perhaps this is your first time tuning in and if it is thank you thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast i hope that you all had a great holiday season and a fun time celebrating christmas with your family and loved ones and i also hope that you has had a fantastic new year so uh, my new year's eve celebration was real chill and relaxing and maybe that's what happens as you get older but two things, two things happened uh, that I won't forget about that night. And basically, the first one I need to tell you about, and I'm going to tell you about both of them, but the first one is, is just the joy that was on my daughter's face as she and I counted down to the new year. It was one of those moments where I instantly prayed, right? Just prayed in my head that she would always have that type of joy in her life because just her smile and her reaction was so pure and so genuine. And I love seeing, you know, her happy just about life. And I believe that's how everybody's attitude should be about life, you know, just loving it and being excited about it. But I get it. I get that as we get older, life seems to get tougher, right? I mean, you have more experiences, but there are also more heartaches. There are more expectations, but also more disappointments. And you have more freedoms. But again, more responsibilities that come with that freedom. So basically, the more we live, the more we see that life is bigger than the box, right? Bigger than the neighborhood, bigger than the family that we grew up in as kids. But does that mean that we should stop seeing life for the great blessing that it truly is? I mean, again, we see that life has so much more to offer. But again, with everything that life offers, there's also a lot of uncertainties. There's also a lot of things that bring us pain. But the question I want to pose to you is, should we stop seeing life for the great blessing that it truly is? You see, as you celebrated the new year, either with a kiss to your significant other, or maybe dancing with a stranger, or you were partying it up with friends and family, or maybe he were like me, you know, you were chilling on the couch, right? Uh, and again, I was with my daughter, I was, I was with our dog. But however, however you celebrated the new year, I want you to know this and I want you to just think about this. There was someone who didn't make it to the new year. So what does that tell you? It tells me that life is a blessing. And yeah, every day you could focus on all the bad stuff that has transpired in your life. You could focus on the bills that you're struggling to pay. You can focus on the person who won't return your text message. You can focus on the rejection letter 
for a job from the company you were hoping would hire you. There's so many countless things that you and I could focus on. But when I saw my daughter's face that night and I saw it light up as the clock struck midnight, it reminded me I'm blessed. And so like you and many other people out there, I know I know that I could focus on the things that I want that I don't have or I can even focus on the things that I do have but I don't want. But I also know this. I also know that doing that does nothing for me. It doesn't do anything for my spirit. It doesn't do anything for my soul. It doesn't do anything for my heart. And so I want it. The first thing that I want to do with this podcast episode is just encourage you to always remember that life is a blessing. And here we are, right? We're in this new year. And so how can we receive the new and the great things that this year has for us when we keep holding on to the same worries, the same anxieties, the same frustrations? Remember this. Remember that a new year means and does nothing for you if you enter it with the same negative attitude and perspective on life. See, some of you are blessed with things that you don't even recognize, you don't even appreciate. So how could you be happy when a treasure or treasures you have in front of you, you regard them as trash? You can't be and you won't be. But what if we had, right? What if we had that joy of a child and we saw life the same way they see it? And I know, I know. They have little to zero responsibilities. I know they don't have to work to make sure a mortgage payment is paid. I know that the worries that they have do not compare to the things that consume our minds. Right. And so we need to realize that when we lose the ability to see life the way a child sees it, we fail to value all the wonders, both big and small of life. And life is full of them. But it's easy to not appreciate life. When we're caught up in the mundane routine of it. But here's the thing. Okay, you've heard this before. You only live once. We only live once, baby. And so the dreams, the goals, the hopes that you had as a child. Who says you can't have them now? Who says you can't have those same goals, those same dreams, or those same hopes? And and okay, well, you know, let me just stop right there. Because obviously there are some things that maybe you wish for as a kid. Maybe you dreamed about as a kid. And that obviously as you grow older, you realize, well, you know what? I, I really can't do that. And I get that because me, I get it. I get it. Uh, I wanted to be Michael Jordan when I was younger. And obviously there was no way I was ever going to be Michael Jordan. Okay. And so, yeah, there are some dreams that you have to put away, right? There's some goals that you have to put away because you realize that as you get older, you just don't have those talents. You just don't have those skills and you don't have those gifts, right? And some of those things are just you, you know, that's what you were made for. And I, and I wasn't made to be a basketball player as much as I wanted to be Michael Jordan, the best NBA basketball player of all time. As much as I studied his moves, as much as I tried to master his fadeaway shot and I stuck out my tongue like him when I would drive to the basket and I wore his shoes and I drank Gatorade like him. There was no way I was ever going to get close to being like Michael Jordan or even making it to the NBA. Like there was no way. And it's not because my dream wasn't big enough. It's not because my dream wasn't strong enough. It was, again, because that dream, that goal didn't align with my purpose, my skill set, my talents, and my gifts. I mean, I'm 5'9", baby. You know, I'm 5'9". Okay, I can't jump that high. I'm not that quick. I don't have hang time. I wasn't blessed with basketball gifts and skills. And it's all good. Okay, I get it. Now, as I'm older... And in fact, I got it when I was in high school. I'm like, yo, I'm just not cut out for this, right? I get it that there are certain dreams, hopes, and goals that that just aren't for me and that will change and that will 
um, that will evolve as you get older. And there's nothing wrong with that. I guess my thing, and I, I guess I should have just posed it differently, is why should we stop dreaming and having goals and hopes as we get older? Because when you look at life the way a child looks at life, they have dreams, they have goals, they have hopes. But why is it that the older we get, the more our goals, our dreams, our hopes die? So here's the thing, though. Here's the thing that I want you to remember. Here's the mark of a dream worth pursuing. It's the dream that won't die inside of you. You know, it's that dream that just won't die. It's that dream that won't leave you alone because you know it's possible. You know that with hard work, effort, faith, practice, and time, it is possible. And me being in the NBA, not possible. Not at all. But me speaking, writing, serving, and leading people, definitely possible. And so this leads me to the second thing that I won't forget about this past New Year's Eve celebration. And that was me having dinner with my daughter and her mom. And before we ate our meal, my daughter's mom had a great idea of all three of us writing our goals on a piece of paper. Okay, so she even quoted Dave Ramsey about the power and magic of writing a goal down. And it's true. There is power in writing goals down. You know, you start seeing life differently when you write your goals down. In fact, Dave Ramsey put it this way. Goals convert vision into energy. When you write your goals down, you immediately start feeling the earth move under your feet. So to me, writing goals down sets things and sets the universe in motion to help you achieve your goals. And so there we were, the three of us, you know, we each had our own piece of paper and we were each writing down our goals and then we shared our goals. And it was so awesome to see our daughter start writing more goals, right? As her mom and I shared our goals. You see, it's the little things. It's the little things that influence and impact people. If we wouldn't have done that, right? If we wouldn't have had that conversation with our daughter, you know, she wouldn't have thought twice about writing goals down. However, as she saw us, right, as we modeled, right, how we took writing our goals down seriously and then we shared our goals genuinely, my, our daughter wanted to rise to that same level. So, yeah, I appreciated that activity because this may be hard for you to believe, but I've never taken time down to actually write down my goals on New Year's Eve. Not that I've never written goals down, but I've never done it right before the start of a new year. So it was cool. It was great to do that. Now, don't get it twisted, okay? It doesn't, doesn't mean that I didn't have goals, you know, before New Year started. In fact, I'm Mr. Goals, right? I'm Mr. Risk Taker. I'm Mr. Dreamer. Uh, but on New Year's Eve, I hadn't done that. You know, it was more, you know, in previous New Year's Eve celebrations, it was more voicing, you know, my expectations and dreams for the new year. But actually writing them down, again, this was the first this, this past week that I did that. Which shows, all right, it shows that it's never too late to start doing something you've never done to accomplish things you want to accomplish. And it's never too late to start making changes to become the person you want to become. So let me ask you a question. Have you written down your goals for 2020? If you haven't, I want to encourage you to take out a note card or take out a piece of paper and write, write three to five goals that you have. If you need to pause this podcast right now to do that, go ahead and do it three to five goals that you have for 2020. Or if you want to wait till after the podcast is over or till you get to your job or till you get home to write down your goals, that's fine too. The important thing is that you take the time to write your goals down because today 
you can take the steps to create a better life and a better future for you. So if you listened to the last episode of 2019, you found out how much of a godfather aficionado I am. I mean, I'm a diehard Godfather fan. In fact, I watched parts one and two during the holiday break, and I'm still amazed about how phenomenal these films are. I mean, they were filmed in the 1970s, and here we are in the year 2020, and there's so many messages and wisdom that I take from these films. I even told my friend that part two, like seriously, part two is officially my top favorite movie of all time. And not that part one isn't good because it is, but to me, part two is just so much more methodical, you know, it's great. You know, it just made me think a lot more and I love that. So if you've never seen The Godfather, I got to give this plug out real quick. If you've never seen any of The Godfathers, you have to give it a shot. I'm telling you, it's great cinema, great storytelling. But enough on that. All right. <laughs> enough on that. I want to present to you the scene that's going that's going to guide the rest of this episode. And it's the last scene from Godfather Part Two that talks about how the main character, Michael Corleone, went against his family's desire for him to work for a law firm when he chose to enlist in the Marines. Listen to this exchange. I understand 30,000 men enlisted this morning. Watch your sacks. How are they sacks? Honey, come on, B. We don't have to talk about the war. Hey, B. You talk to Carl, all right? They're saps because they risk their lives for strangers. Oh, that's pop talking. You're goddamn right, that's pop talking. Well, they risk their lives for their country. Your country ain't your blood. You remember that. I don't feel that way. I don't feel that way. Well, if you don't feel like that, why don't you just quit college and go to, go to join the army? I did. I enlisted in the Marines. Michael, why? Why didn't you come to us? What do you mean? I mean, Pop had to pull a lot of strings to get your deferment. I didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for a deferment. I didn't want it. Like, you gotta understand that uh, your father has plans for you. Now, many times, he and I have talked about your future. Talk to my father about my future. My future. Mikey, he has high hopes for you. Well, I have my own plans for my future. Why don't you go to college to get stupid? You're really stupid. He's here, come on. Now, I'm about to butcher Pacino, okay? Because I'm nowhere near close to Pacino acting skills. But I love this. I love when Pacino said this. You talk to my father about my future. My future. Well, I have my own plans for my future. Man, I'm telling you, I love that. I love that piece of dialogue because when Michael said my future, I have my own plans for my future. It was the moment when he took ownership of his life. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to take ownership of your life. I want you to take ownership of your future in 2020. That's what I want to encourage you to do this year, okay? Because I want you to know that you should live out your heart's desires because this life is your life. And so this is your future that is at stake. Do you realize that one day you will wake up and your future will have come? It will be here quicker than you know it. And when that day comes, whose life will you have lived? Whose dreams will you have pursued? Whose goals will you have tried to fulfill? These are great questions to ask yourself right now before 
you get to that day, before you get to that moment when you realize, man, I've been living someone else's dreams. I've been putting off my hopes. I've been putting off my goals because I've been trying to please this person or I've been trying to please that person. And here's the thing about doing that. Whenever your number one goal in life is trying to fulfill other people's expectations, you will always be frustrated and disappointed. Oh, you may have some temporary satisfaction because you please somebody else and you didn't rock the boat by going against what they wanted. But eventually, disappointment and frustration will come. It comes because you arrive to the realization that the dream that you're working on is not your dream at all. And then there's this yearning, right? There's this desire. There's this dream in you that doesn't let you sleep at night. It's a dream in you that believes that you can get a better job, a dream in you that you can start that business, a dream in you that you can live happily and fulfilled in a relationship. There is a dream in you, and that is what you hope for your future. But if you're being honest, maybe you realize that you're living your life to please someone else's expectations for your life. So number one, I need you to ask yourself this question. Is the goal, dream, life that I'm currently living and working for mine or is it someone else's desires for my life it is important that you know the answer to that question because the money income that you want to earn the career that you want to have the home that you want to create the culture and community that you want to promote will not happen if you live out someone else's vision how could you ever be fulfilled knowing that you're not staying true to yourself i always say this about myself okay if someone was to say yo ac you know what man you're going to be a mailman Look, I'm going to quickly dismiss that because I know being a mailman doesn't align with my life's passion. And it's not that being a mailman is bad or beneath me. It's simply because it's not me. So what are you currently doing right now? And is it you? Is it really what you want to do? Is it really what you wanted to do when you were a kid? Or are you so jaded now that you're just like, look, AC, I got to make a living, man. I got bills to pay, so I can't waste my time trying to start a business or enter a new profession. And I get that. I understand that because those thoughts govern your life. Okay, that's what governs your life. That's what you're thinking about. But what if other thoughts govern your life? What if you realize that you could take some risk? That you could experience some moments of discomfort, some moments of sacrifice to gain the life and the future that you really want. Because again, this is your future. You don't have to stay stuck, but you can choose to stay stuck. I mean, do you understand that as long as you continue living the life that you lead, you will continue to get the same results? Life changes when you make changes. It's that simple. And sometimes the changes come quick and sometimes the changes come a lot later than you probably would like. But regardless, life only gets better when you choose to make changes because changes and growth are intentional. So if you want to have a better future, then you really need to know whether the life you're currently living right now is the one you want. And if it's not, then you need to be honest about what changes need to be made. And know this, the most important changes that need to be made always begin in you. So are you living your life? Are you owning your future? You know, many times people fall into a trap called willful blindness. And willful blindness is simply the refusal to face the truth. Willful blindness robs you of the ability to clearly see that perhaps what you're currently living is something that is not true to your heart's desire. Therefore, willful blindness will never help you to own your future. So what keeps us blind? It's not a sickness. 
It's not a disease that does it. Again, it is our refusal to accept the truth. It is our choice to turn a blind eye to things that are not benefiting us in our mental and physical health. And yet, when we do that, when we refuse and when we choose to turn a blind eye, we still want to blame others for our misfortune and unhappiness. But it's our choice. We're choosing to allow things to have power over our lives and we're choosing to allow people to dictate how we should live. And again, why do we do that? Why do we stay blind? Why do we choose to turn a blind eye? I like what Margaret Heffernan wrote. She wrote this. We can't notice and know everything. The cognitive limits of our brain simply won't let us. That means we have to filter or edit what we take in. So what we choose to let through and to leave out is crucial. We mostly admit the information that makes us feel great about ourselves while conveniently filtering whatever unsettles our fragile egos and most vital beliefs. Powerful. Again, we choose what to let through. The ideals, the beliefs that guide our thinking, what influences us, who and what we listen to, we choose what to let through. And then we choose what to leave out. The truth, as much as it may hurt, the destructive patterns of others that harm us more than help us, the influence that is bringing us down instead of lifting us up, we choose. And as Margaret Heffernan wrote, we choose what we decide to let through or leave out. And that's crucial. It's crucial because it has a direct effect on how our life turns out. And I get it, though. It's hard to face the truth sometimes. It's easier to hesitate because you figure, well, you know, if I, you know, just wait and I just hesitate and I just take a pause, that things might just get better. But again, change and growth are intentional. So things don't just magically get better. Your leadership, your business, your career skills won't just get better without you putting in the work to learn something new, to stretch yourself and to seek help. Your health doesn't just improve from one day to the next without better eating and more exercise. I mean, seriously, trust me, I know. I've never woken up one morning and looked ripped like Dwayne The Rock Johnson or even Mark Wahlberg since, you know, he's more my height, right? I mean, I've never woken up one morning like, yo, I'm ripped like Marky Mark. Never. It takes work, period. But we don't always like to work. And then there's the good old, well, I just don't feel like working today. I'll do it tomorrow. So we hesitate or so we put it off till tomorrow. But the danger in hesitating is expressed perfectly by this quote by George W. Cecil. And it says this on the plains of hesitation lie the bones of countless millions who at the dawn of victory sat down to wait and in waiting died. Some of you have been so close to victory, so close to getting that dream job, so close to writing that book, so close to calling to inquire about opening your own franchise business, so close to trying something new that you feel will benefit your students, so close to accomplishing the great dreams you have for your life, but then you stop, you wait, you hesitate. And in the stopping and in the hesitating, the dream dies. The goal is not accomplished. The job is lost and the change never comes. So again, whose life are you living? Whose future are you pursuing? Do you know that? Or are you choosing not to know? And when you choose not to know, you're aligning with that thought that goes with willful blindness, that refusal to accept the truth, that turning a blind eye to what's true and what's real. 
And the reality is that we make ourselves powerless when we choose not to know, when we choose to refuse to see the truth, when we choose to refuse to accept the truth. But we can give ourselves hope, right? And we can climb out of this rut when we choose to be intentional and insist on reflecting on that question. Am I living the life that I want for me? And I know it sounds selfish, a little bit selfish, right? But who knows you better than you? And who should push you to new limits? And who should help you believe that nothing is impossible? Guess what? It's you. Your belief is more important than what your partner believes. Your belief is more important than what your teacher believes. Your belief is more important than what your siblings believe or what your parents believe. And I'm not discounting their beliefs for you, but their belief that you are capable of accomplishing great things and accomplishing goals makes no difference if you yourself do not believe that first. So yeah, I want you to reflect and I want you to ask yourself the question, whose life am I living? And what, who is creating my future or what is creating my future? Because when you truly pay attention to the answer to that question, what you do is you intentionally sift through what is good for you and what is not good for you. But check this out. There are two things that want to keep you from being honest with yourself and they want to keep you in the dark about things that may need to change in your life. And those two things are, the first one is the fear of conflict, where you don't want to fight, you don't want to argue, you don't want confrontation. But here's a belief that I have lived with for a long time, and it's this, true revelation comes when one confronts the real issues. And a true leader is the one that is not afraid to challenge the real issues. And whether you're leading yourself or you're leading your family or you're leading an organization, if you fail to confront or choose to ignore the real issues, things will never change and your leadership will always be weak. The second thing that wants to keep you in the dark is the fear of change. People have a hard time imagining having to live life differently because what's familiar is safe. And anything different is always scary because, again, what's familiar and having similarities, those are safe things. And there's some sort of comfort in knowing how things are going to play out, right? Knowing what's familiar, knowing what's similar. There's comfort even if those things don't always really benefit you. So fear of conflict and fear of change. Those two things want to hold you back from taking ownership of your life and your future. And sometimes the fear of conflict and change isn't even about you being afraid of it yourself. It's more of you being afraid of having conflict with others or, or, or worrying about how that change is going to impact your relationship with others. So it's about not so much, you know, what's going to happen with you, but it's more like, well, what is everybody else going to say? Right. What are my friends going to say? What is my family going to say? You know, and so that's what scares you. And I, I get that. I understand it. That's that social pressure. And you know what? Social pressure, peer pressure. It's a real thing. And you know what? When I teach on conformity, which essentially is talking about pressure. All right. So when I teach about conformity and sociology, which is essentially talking about pressure, because conformity means that a person adheres or gives into the social group's expectations. I always tell my students that, hey, peer pressure is not just a common thing for te teenagers. You know, we think about peer pressure and we think, oh, that's just something a 13 year old has to deal with, or that's just something an 11 year old has to deal with. But the reality is this no, peer pressure doesn't respect an age. Like, we all have to deal with that. 
And I even asked my students, I'm like, look, guys, do you really think that once a person hits a certain age that peer pressure stops? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because seriously, you, you can turn 21 and your peers and your social groups, your parents, your family members are asking, hey, when are you getting married? And if you're not married by 21, then you get to 25 and then they're like, hey, what's up? You're still not married or maybe you are married and now the pressure is, hey, are you going to have a kid? And then you turn 30 and if, again, you're still not married, they're like, hey, why aren't you married? So there's all this pressure or maybe you hit 35 and now you have people telling you you should have this and you should have that. I mean, it's pressure and it doesn't stop. It's real right? You should do this. You should do that. You should raise your kid this way, or you should feed him this, or you shouldn't give him that. You shouldn't, all this stuff. It's pressure. It's real. Okay. And it's, again, it's not just for teenagers. And something that I always do with my students is I give them an exit ticket as an activity that goes along with this lesson. And an exit ticket real quick, if you're an educator, there. An exit ticket is a quick activity that you can do right before the end of class to challenge your students to apply the information learned in class to their lives. And so in order for my students to exit the class, when we teach this lesson, I have them write about which pressure is hardest for them to resist and why. And about 90% of the time, their answer is pressure that comes from their family and friends. It's real. The pressure is real. When you get it from your family, from your friends, and they tell you how you should live your life and who you should or shouldn't marry and what career you should choose and what job you should take or where you should live, the pressure, it's real. But again, this is your future. And so how do we how do we combat that? How do we combat, hey, you know what, this is what I want to do or this is where I want to live or this is a career that I want to choose or this is the job that I want to take. And this is the person I want to be with. But yet I have my family and I have my friends telling me, hey, I shouldn't do that. How do we combat that? Well, number one is you have to always remember who knows yourself better than you do. You. So no one should be able to choose for you how you should live. But not only that, I want to give you some practical steps that you can take to own your life, to own your future in 2020, because that's what I want for you. This is your future. I want I want you to know that, man, for these next 12 months, right, for these next 12 months of this brand new year that I've been blessed with, that I was been fortunate enough to, to walk into 2020, I want to live my life. I want to live my future. I want to do the things that, that have been burning my heart to do. I don't want to just succumb to what people think, you know, I should do. Like, I, I want to live my life. So I want to give you three practical steps that you can take to own your life. All right. Own your life, own your future in 2020. Number one, love yourself. All right. Love yourself. Seriously. Again, this is your life. And honestly, the more you love yourself, the less you give into stupidity and foolishness. All right. Stupidity like this, like you're not good enough. You're trash. You're not worth much. You're incapable of accomplishing big dreams. That's stupidity. Or foolishness, like you won't ever accomplish your dreams because of who your parents were. Or you grew up in the wrong zip code, therefore you're sentenced to a life of mediocrity. I mean, do you hear those statements? They're stupid, they're foolish, and you shouldn't believe them. And the trouble is when you don't love yourself, you know what happens? You belittle and you devalue yourself. So step one in owning your future in 2020, love yourself. Step number two, you got to change the way you think. My last episode of 2019 was about optimism. And I'll stress that again, because if you change the way you think, 
if you look at things differently, you can change the way you live. Do you understand that you are the person who limits yourself the most? No one can limit you unless you allow their words and limitations to do that. See, our mind, our mind is like a box and it is fed many messages each day, not only from other people, but also from yourself. So what are you feeding it? What are you feeding your mind? What words or phrases about you and your life are you allowing to stay in that box? Because you have to realize this. You're more than your mistakes. You're more than your parents' bad choices. You're more than a person who grew up in a poor neighborhood. You're more than an undocumented individual. You're more than some rich kid, right, who people think has just been handed everything their whole life. You're more than that. Again, people will limit you and place you in a box if you allow them to. So you have to be the one that tells yourself different messages that positively influence your mindset because the way you think will always play a big part in determining the results that you get from life. Step number three, you have to speak up like Michael Corleone did, my future. I have my own plans for my future. See, if you don't voice what you want, you end up getting what someone else chooses for you, right? It's like when someone asks you, hey, what do you want to eat? What do you want for dinner? And you don't respond or you say, whatever. Well, you you can't complain if you do that, right? You can't complain when they choose sushi, but you really wanted some tacos. Like, you can't complain. You got to speak up for what you want. You got to speak up for the dreams that you have. You have to speak up for the change that you want in your life. You have to speak up. So let me give you a personal example because I'll never forget this example, all right? I remember when I was 23 years old, I wanted to be out on my own. And here's the thing, for many Latino young people, okay, I don't know how it is now, but back in the day, all right, and I'm not that old, guys, all right, but back in the day, all right, and, and not only that, and my students tell me that it's still the same, but for many Latinos, like, we don't leave the house until we're married. And I know you probably heard, well, it's just like that for, you know, Latinas, right? Young Latino women. No, no, no. It's like that for young Latino males too, okay? And so, again, I remember I was 23. I wanted to leave the house. I wanted to just be out on my own, be independent, have my own place. And when I finally got the courage to speak up, to tell my mom, hey, you know what? I'm going. I'm going to get a house. She started crying. And she was like, why are you leaving? Right. Who's going to cook for you? Who's going to wash your clothes? All good stuff, by the way. Like, seriously, like when she said who's going to cook for you and who's going to wash your clothes, like for about five point seven seconds, I was like, yo, do I really want to leave? <laughs> like, seriously, I got to cook and I have a butler. No, I'm messing. But seriously, you know, for about five point two seconds, I was like, all right, you know what? Maybe I don't want to be out on my own. But then I knew no. I got to be out on my own. And so I had to speak up and I had to tell my mom that, look, this is what I want to do. This is what I need to do. I need to do this to find out what I'm really made of. And mom, I, I get you wanting to be there for me and cook my food and and wash my clothes and take care of me. And, and you're the bomb. You're the bomb at cooking. But I have to do this because if I don't do this, I'll never find out what I'm made of. And so I remember telling her that and I remember her crying that day. And I know she was disappointed, but I kid you not, all right, I kid you not, a week later, she was good, all right, she was good. I remember getting home, and she was watching her novellas, and she told me, all right, look, you're leaving, that's cool, just don't forget about me, just give me a call, all right, just whenever you move into your own place, come over from time to time and just check up on me. And so what that taught me was like, look, you got to go for what you want, you got to speak up for what you want, 
And though you may disappoint the people you love, eventually they'll come around. And, and so I know some of you, you're afraid to speak up because you're afraid your family, you're afraid your friends, they're going to be against you. But again, this is your life. And if they truly love you and they truly support you, they'll eventually get to where they accept your decision to do what you feel is right and what you feel is best for you. But you'll never know that if you're afraid to speak up for what you want. And you'll never know that if you're afraid to go after what it is that you really want. So speaking up and not backing down, it shows your belief in your dreams. It shows your beliefs in your goals and in your future. So don't stay silent in 2020. Speak up for your future. I'll never forget this question I heard in a Les Brown speech. It's, man, like to this day, I'll, like, I've never forgotten it. And I don't think I ever will. And the question goes like this. Why do people choose known hells over unknown heavens? Let me say that again. Why do people choose known hells over unknown heavens? And I remember when I heard that, I was like, yo, I got to Google this. I got to Google and see where this reference came from. And it came from the following story that I'm going to read to you. A young man was captured behind enemy lines during a war and had been sentenced to death by a firing squad. But the night before the execution was to take place, the man was offered another option. Tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., you can face the firing squad or you can walk out of that door over there. The man asked the captain, what is outside that door? No one knows, responded the captain. It's unknown. The man thought about his decision throughout the whole night. The next morning, he made his choice. He selected the firing squad. After the shots ran out, the captain's secretary asked him what was beyond that door. The captain responded, freedom. But very few people will select a freedom because it is unknown. Many people, they choose known hells. They choose unhealthy relationships, unfulfilling jobs, Toxic friendships, harmful addictions over unknown heavens. And why do they do that? Because these people fear conflict and they fear change. They don't want to fight. They don't want to battle to get better. They want things easy. So you know what? I'll stay in this unhealthy relationship. I'll stay in this unfulfilling job. I'll stay with these same friends. I'll stay with the same addiction because, man, I got to put in work or I got to fight to get better. And so they fear change or what if I can't change or what if, you know, what if this person, I disappoint this person because I choose to go another way. So they fear conflict, they fear change. They're scared of something unknown. And so they'd rather cling to what's familiar, even if it's not good for them, even if it's a hell for them. But my hope, my hope that that's not you. My hope is that you live out your dreams, that you exit out that hell that is making you miserable that you find your mission and your calling and you rise from a life of just being average, that you close the door on people that are destructive to your spirit and to your soul, that you stick to a plan regardless of how difficult it is, that you try out that gym. It's scary, but get into that gym, right? You wanna have better health? You wanna you know, get those gains or lose that weight? Walk into that gym. Yeah, you may not know, but get in there. 
My hope is that you're going to apply for that scholarship. I don't care if your brother was denied. I don't care if your cousin was denied. You apply for that scholarship. My hope is that you put it in your name. You put your name in that hat for that job. Yes, yeah, so you were denied three years ago. This is 2020. This is a new year. Put your name in the hat for that job. Yeah, it's unknown territory. But isn't it terrible living in known hells when just a few feet away there are unknown heavens that are for you? Wouldn't you rather take that risk and know that, hey, man, maybe maybe there is something better out there for me. And I, I know change, change is never easy. But I'd rather you take a chance. I'd rather you take some risk. And I'd rather you find out for yourself what is on the other side of fear. It could very well be the future that you have always envisioned for yourself. That is it for episode 17, the first episode of 2020. This is your future, taking ownership for your life and your future. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you were encouraged and inspired to take back your life and to take action for your future. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share it on your social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Let's spread this message all over social media. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure to subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review it as well. If you're listening on Spotify, make sure you press that follow button. And if you're on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Tomorrow, January 7th, Tuesday, I'll have the first interview of 2020 with a phenomenal principal from El Paso, Texas. Next week, the video and audio interview with Dr. Adam Sines will also be out. And then Wednesday, two days from now, January 8th, my keynote speech from November will be released in its entirety on YouTube. So there's a lot of great content that is heading your way to support your professional and personal journey. If you have a topic now, listen to this, guys. If you have a topic in mind for the podcast, let me know. Hit me up on social media. Email me. I want to be able to provide podcasts that will serve your needs. So, again, thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic week. And as always, the mission is now. So remain mission driven until next time. Faith, hope, love. <laughs>